John, if you want to turn there. 1 John chapter 2 is where we're at. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 14 today, so it will be up here behind me, but um, just to remind you, we have been working our way through 1 John, and I've been really kind of pointing out what the Greek says, what the original language says, and how it says it, because I think John chooses words very carefully. And so as, as we uh, work our way through this, uh, we're going to see again today that what he says and how he says it is important. Now, he has been telling us, really through chapter 2, he's been telling us to walk as Jesus walked, to live what we believe, to, our behavior and belief should match. And he's, and he's told us that our love matters. Our love actually is our greatest evangelism tool, that we will show others who Christ is by our love. He's told us that's the point. He's going to go a little deeper into that today, but I want to remind you also that he's also kind of confronted us. John has confronted us and said that, that really not just John, but all of Scripture says that we are light or we are darkness. We are love or we are hate. We are for him or we are against him. There isn't a fence to sit on. There's not a gray area to hang out in that we're, we're one or the other. And, and he's told us that, and we saw that even Jesus says that. And so as we go forward here, we're going to talk about spiritual growth today. We're going to talk about growing in Christ. And so it's important to understand that that comes from the aspect of being for him, being on the side of light and love and for Jesus, because that's where growth happens. And so let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, and it is up here behind me. I'm writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. So the first thing he says here is, he calls us little children. We've seen this in our study. He calls us this a lot, and it's a term of endearment. You can tell that John has a pastor's heart. John has this, this heart for, his, for the people that he writes to. And he calls them children. It's, an, it's a term of endearment. And so he, he starts out saying, little children. But then he, he makes a, an, a very interesting statement. He says, your sins are forgiven on account of his name or, or for his name's sake. Now, that's kind of an, an interesting phrase. First of all, we have, again, we have talked about, as we've gone through this study, the Greek really doesn't have a word for forgive, neither does Hebrew. Um, the, when, when it's translated forgive, it's usually a, a word that is wipe away, or take away, or, or cleanse. It, that's send away. That's the word he uses here in, in chapter 1, verse 9. He said that, that he is faithful and righteous to forgive us 
for all of our sins when we confess. And that word was to take away. This word is to send away. This is sending our, our, our sin away. And it's in the perfect tense again. So it's something that happened in the past, but still has today, it still affects us, still benefits us. So what he's saying is that our sin is permanently sent away, and we still live today in that permanence, in that, this, that our sin is no longer here. It's kind of an incredible statement. And he says, the, and it's, and he says it, that it's about his name. Now, again, going back to, to chapter 1, verse 9, we saw that forgiveness is based on God's faithfulness and righteousness, not our own. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So our forgiveness is based upon the righteousness of God and the faithfulness of God, not our faithfulness and righteousness. I think that's good news. Here, he says that we're forgiven because of his name. So it, it's God at work here through Christ forgiving us because he's faithful, he's righteous, and he's doing it for Jesus, for the purpose of Jesus. So we are forgiven, our sin permanently sent away for God's righteousness, God's faithfulness, and the sake, the purpose of Jesus. So that's our forgiveness. Now, contemplate that for a minute. Because what we tend to look, we, we tend to look at forgiveness and think, you know, it's, it's all about us. Well, you have to ask, us to ask me for forgiveness before I can give it. That's not how forgiveness works. Forgiveness is about God. Forgiveness is about His faithfulness, His righteousness, and for His purpose, for the sake of Jesus' name. So we get a, a completely different view of, of forgiveness from John. Now, this, this idea of his name, in the Bible, the, the name represents the character, the integrity, the person, what he does, who he is. It represents him. And, and we actually have that concept in our society because we talk about making a good name for yourself, having a good name, passing on to your children a good name. And what are we talking about? We're talking about character and integrity and who we are. That's why we're forgiven, because of who Jesus is and for his purpose. Now, again, I think this is just as good a news as it based on his faithfulness and, and righteousness, because it isn't about who you are, it's about who he is. It isn't about what you've done, it's about what he's done. It's about Jesus. So, again, I think this is great news for forgiveness, and it gives us a totally different view of forgiveness than we usually have. Because what name is greater than Jesus? None. There's no more important name in history. There's no more important name on earth than Jesus. And so it's for his sake, his purpose, we are forgiven. So important stuff. And then he, then he says, then, then he talks to fathers. He says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know the one who is from the beginning. Now we're going to talk about this, him, him going from children to fathers to young men. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. I, I just, I want to drive home a few things about 
this idea of, of knowing the one who is from the beginning. Come to know the one who is from the beginning. This know is once again uh, the know by experience. So these fathers that he's talking to have experienced Jesus, walked with Jesus, and so know him. There's no better way to know someone than to walk with them, right? To experience them for yourself. We can read about, but that's not the same as experiencing and knowing. And that's what he's saying. Experience by experience and the knowledge gained from experience, we have, we, these, these fathers have come to know the one who is from the beginning. Now, in the one who is from the beginning, is he talking about God or is he talking about Jesus? And I'm going to tell you yes. Because quite frankly, how do we know God? Through Jesus, right? So we can't come to, to know the one who is from the beginning without knowing Jesus. You've heard me say it. I'll say it again. If you don't have Jesus right, you don't have God right. Because Jesus was sent to reveal God to us. So <clears throat> he has, he's telling us, we, we've come to know the one who is from the beginning. Is Jesus from the beginning? Yes. Is God the one from the beginning? Yes. So which one is he talking about? Both. But we must know Jesus to know God. And so he, he's talked quite a bit about the preeminence of Jesus in chapter 2. And so we must know Jesus to know God. So these fathers have experienced Jesus and have come to know him. And through him have come to know the Father. They've come to know God. And then he turns to young men. And he says they have conquered the evil one. Now conquered is the word for victory. So, and, and, and this word again is in the perfect tense, something that happened in the past that they now stand in. So picture in your head standing in victory over the evil one. That's the picture that we're given here. Standing in victory over the evil one. And evil one's even kind of an important uh, word. There's two different words in Greek for evil. One of them is just the opposite of good. The other one, the one that's used here, is the word for pernicious evil. It's the one who isn't just satisfied with being the opposite of good. He wants to, to damage the good. He wants to tear down the good. He's the destructor of good. That's the word used here. So we're standing in victory over pernicious evil, over evil that tried to destroy and couldn't. That's the victory that he's talking about for these young men. That's the victory that you and I have. You and I, because we, our sins have been forgiven based on the faithfulness and righteousness of God and for the purpose of Jesus, we stand in victory over the one who tries to destroy. That's our victory. We stand in that victory just as they do. So now let's look at this children, fathers, young men. Because there's, there's been, a, a, as I like to say, there's been a lot of ink spilled over this. There's been a lot of, of commentators that write a lot of different things. Some have seen these as actual ages. Uh, children in age, fathers in age, and young men in age. Now, 
that's okay, but it doesn't really match the context, does it? And in fact, they, what they do to support this is they invent a monastic community, a, a, com, a, a community of monks that are children, young men, and fathers. And, and, and so they literally invent a community to support their translation of this verse. Went a bit too far for me. So I don't agree that this is ages. There are others who say this is, this is uh, the, the, the positions in the church, the elders, the deacons, the, the, the church members. Well, the problem with that theory is that there's actually already Greek words for elder and deacon and, and member. So the, why would he not use those? So again, doesn't really fit. Now, the early church fathers saw this as spiritual age. They saw this as as those who are babes in Christ, those who are young, been, been in the faith for a little while, and the wise old father. They saw these as spiritual ages. And I agree with that, except that he, keeps, he calls us children all the time through this letter. So I think that, that children applies to all of us, and that young men and fathers applies to those new in the faith and those that have been in the faith for a while. In fact, Augustine said it, it actually applies to all of us all the time. Because he said, all Christians by grace are children in innocence and dependence on their father, young men in the spiritual strength of God, and fathers in their experience with the, with the eternal father. So I like this. I like this idea that, that it's not only spiritual growth, but it's also who we are all the time. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we're still children in the faith in some areas, aren't we? But we're strong in the faith in other areas. And we are wise in the faith in yet other areas. And so I like how this fits not only all of us all the time, but also the idea that, that as young men, we, uh, the, as, as someone, the young men being someone who is new in the faith, but not brand new in the faith, walked with Jesus a bit, has victory over the evil one, but isn't quite to the point of wisdom of the Father, that's where we see spiritual growth. So what I see in these verses is great hope. Jesus took you as you are, but he didn't leave you there. He intends to make you wise like a father. He intends to make you strong like a young man. He intends for your faith to stay childlike. But for, young, for you to have the strength of a young man and the wisdom of the father. You see how that spiritual age works really well. And so he, uh, in the next verse, he, he does it again, but there's some changes. He says, I've written to you children because you have come to know the father. I've written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. Now, notice how he goes from, I'm writing to you, to I have written to you. He's now pushing to, to past tense. He's saying, I've given you this. Your children in, in faith. Your young men in strength, your fathers in wisdom, 
and experience with, with Christ. So I've, I've written to you. And then he, he, he also says that the young men are strong. And he has one, one phrase that I think is critical here. And that is, he says, God's word remains in you. If there is a known path to, to spiritual maturity, that's it. It's as simple as that. You want to go from babe in Christ to wisdom of a father? It's right here. God's word remains in you. Read this. Listen to it. However you take in scripture, do that and you will grow. Will grow. This is the known path to spiritual maturity. So we can see this this spiritual maturity happen from, from babe in Christ to young men conquering the evil one to the wisdom of the Father. We can see that. We can also see how we are all of these all the time. How we have a childlike faith in Christ. How we have the strength of the Spirit of God and the victory that we stand in. And we have the wisdom of of a father who has experienced Christ. We can see that how, the, how this works for both spiritual growth and for our own personal journey. We can see how all this works. This strength, this word for strength that's here, it is an endowed strength. It's not a strength that they found within themselves. It's a strength they were given. We are given this strength. We are given this victory. You did not defeat Satan. Christ did on your behalf. And so, you stand in the victory you've been given. You stand in the strength you've been given. And if you want to get stronger, make sure God's word remains in you. It's that simple. It really is that simple. Spiritual growth is as simple as taking this in. It will keep you from error. It will, it will put you on the path to knowing Christ. You, every time you open this, you experience God. God is speaking to you, and you are having an experience with God every time you open it. And so you're, you're growing in wisdom. You're growing in, in knowing God by experience when you open this. It's as simple as that. You've been given this victory. You've been forgiven because of his righteousness, his faithfulness, and his purpose, you've been forgiven. Are you growing now? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and consider that question. Are you growing? Because it's as simple as God's word remains in you. It's that simple. Are you growing? Do you need to take a step of faith toward Christ? Are you a babe in the faith this morning? You can take this step. It's a simple step. It's a simple prayer. We acknowledge that we have sin that needs to be forgiven. God, I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. And that I'm forgiven because of your faithfulness, your righteousness, and your purpose. 
So I ask you to forgive me and, and come into my life. Empower me to grow. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor. Let them know. Maybe you know Christ this morning, but you realize you're not growing. Will you make a commitment between you and God right now that the word of God will remain in you? That you will grow based on it? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father, for the process that we see here, for the, for the growth that we see here. And we thank you that, that we can identify with being a babe in Christ in some areas, strong in others, and wise in yet others. Keep us mindful of this verse. Keep us mindful that your word needs to remain in us. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.